let's uh, let's turn in our scripture and our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 7 through 15. You can find this in your Pew Bibles on page 1,512. Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 15. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did he go out in the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did he go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothing? Fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it find that they are greater than John the Baptist. When you are looking for a job... One of the most important things that you can do is to have a good resume. Am I right? Now, a resume, when done properly, will have a, have a list of, of the institutions and the individuals who will vouch for you. For instance, if you want a job as a CEO graduating from Harvard Business and maybe having a, a reference from Bill Gates, something like that would put you to the top of the list, would it not? If you want to become a movie director, having a, a film degree from, from USC and, and getting Steven Spielberg to vouch for you, that, that will make your chances of getting a job far greater. The, the, the point is, you, you must have someone to, to speak for you demonstrating that you're credible, demonstrating that you, can, that, that you are worth it. Because if your resume is empty... It's just going to get thrown into the trash. Last week, we, we jumped back into the Gospel of Matthew, and we saw this strange story concerning John the Baptist. As Jesus was preaching and teaching in Galilee, the, the disciples of John came to him with, with a question from this man who was in prison. For, for John wanted to know if Jesus was the one who was to come, or should he expect someone else? Yes, even John the Baptist had doubts. For this, this Jesus wasn't exactly looking the part, at least not how John was expecting the Messiah to come. Christ wasn't ushering in God's judgment upon the, uh, the wicked of this world, which left John wondering if Jesus was really the Messiah. 
Christ reassured his friend by pointing him back to the book of Isaiah and demonstrating that he had been fulfilling these messianic prophecies. The evidence was there. The ministry of Jesus could only mean one thing, that he was this one who was to come. But of course, Jesus failed to mention any of the prophecies concerning God's judgment. Nor did he cite a, a, a particular verse from Isaiah 61 that was most likely on the mind of John the Baptist, this man who was stuck in Herod's prison. Look at a, Isaiah 61, verse 1. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. John was in prison, was he not? And yet he would not see God's justice fulfilled in his lifetime. He would not be released from his chains, but would, would suffer in that cell and eventually die a martyr's death. But lest you think that Christ's opinion of John was somehow lowered by this man's doubt, our passage today suggests otherwise. For it is here that, that Jesus validates John's faith. Christ was, was in essence vouching for him. The, the, the one who, who had borne witness to Jesus now had Jesus bearing witness to him. Let's, let's look at verse 7 to see what Jesus said. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Here we see Jesus asking the crowd three times what they went out into the desert to see. And he, and he did this in a, in a rhetorical manner in order to get the crowd thinking about who John was. But why does he do this? Why, why does he care about their opinion of John the Baptist? Why did these crowds, why did he, why did he care if they had one opinion one way or another? Well, what did these crowds just witness? The, the disciples of John asking this question, demonstrating the underlying doubt that John had concerning who Jesus was. This might lead people to think either that, that John was not the prophet that the people thought he was, or that Jesus was not the one that John claimed him to be. And in response to this, Christ was trying to remind the folks of just who John the Baptist was. And this is why he employed these, these rhetorical questions. I mean, look at his first two examples. A reed swayed by the wind. A man dressed in fine clothing. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. Now, now remember, where, where John was baptizing was in the Jordan River. And near the banks of the Jordan would grow these reeds that would sway in the breeze. Whichever way the wind blew, these reeds would seem to follow. Jesus used this illustration to demonstrate what kind of man John was not. 
He, he was not a person that could be swayed by the, the winds of change. He did not have a fear of man. He didn't care about man's status or, that, or the authority that they hold. In fact, he was in prison for that very reason. For he had confronted the sin of King Herod. If anything, John was like a mighty tree standing firm in rebuke to the wind. A delicate reed? I don't think so. How about a man dressed in fine clothing? Again, the, the mere idea of this is laughable. Look, look at Matthew 3, verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. John wore the garb of someone who, who was in repentant mourning. He, he wore a coarse material that would grate against the skin. This was an illustration of a, of a heart that had turned away from the world and turned towards God. No, he was not wearing fine clothing. The one, the one wearing fine clothing was in a king's palace. That would be King Herod. Herod would be the one who, who, who donned such soft and luxurious attire. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He, he is reminding the folks of exactly who John the Baptist was. This man wasn't, wasn't feeble, paying heed to every fad that was out there. Rather, he was resolute. He was staunch. Someone, someone who wouldn't cave to the pressures of his society. And he wasn't soft either. He, he was one who could endure hardship for the cause of the kingdom. And if you think that the question that, that he had just asked Jesus concerning his, his messianic credentials meant that he was losing his faith, then you're quite mistaken. This was not a sign of weakness on John's part. All it was was just a misunderstanding concerning the timing of messianic judgment. But if that was the case, if John was neither soft nor could be swayed by men, then who was he? What does Jesus say? John was a prophet. In fact, he was more than a prophet. Now how exactly is John the Baptist more than a prophet? Look at our next verse, verse 10, to find out. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Here Jesus gets to the heart of who this man was. And he began by quoting scripture. The, the scripture comes to us from our first scripture reading, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Not only was John a true prophet, but he himself was a subject of prophecy. He was this herald that would, that would come before the Lord. In, in ancient societies, it was common practice to send such messengers before the arrival of a king in order to announce the king's coming. This would give the people time to prepare in advance. 
Being a messenger was the role of John the Baptist. He, he was calling out to, to all who would listen, the king is on his way. Prepare yourselves for his arrival. In other words, John was the prophet that had the privilege of setting the stage for Jesus. This is why Jesus said, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Think about that for a moment. What about Abraham, the one whose, whose offspring would be the blessing of all nations? Or how about Moses, the man who, who, who led his people out of slavery and into freedom? Or think about King David, the, the, the one who defeated the giant, the, the one who was a man after God's own heart. I mean, these are some large shoes to fill, are they not? And yet Jesus says that John was greater than them. How so? Well, the answer becomes clear when we read the last half of verse 11. Let's, let's look at the end of verse 11. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You see, John's greatness had nothing to do with himself, but it had everything to do with his proximity to his Lord. He was in a position of honor. Out of all of the Old Testament prophets, he got to observe firsthand what everyone else could only see through eyes of faith. Think about it. He got to touch his Lord as he was baptizing him in that Jordan River. He, he got to hear his Lord speak words of wisdom. These were things that, that Isaiah and Ezekiel longed to witness. This is what men like Jeremiah and, and Micah prophesied about, only to them it was a, a, a distant future. John's greatness wasn't because he was a better prophet. No, his greatness was that he was close to Christ. But there would be others who would get to witness more than John. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 13, verse 16. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You see, the, the reason that, that John the Baptist was the, considered the greatest of them all was because of his proximity to Christ. And yet those who are least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than he. Why? Because they are even closer. They, they, they have a greater revelation. They have a greater knowledge. They understand in a deeper way God's redemptive plan of how he brings about his kingdom. And it has nothing to do with their own goodness or their own piety, but it has everything to do with their nearness to Christ. Let me ask you, what, what is your proximity to this Messiah? How close are you to Jesus? Do you know who he is? That he is God incarnate, fully divine, and yet fully human? 
Do you understand the gospel? That, that Jesus took upon Himself the punishment for your sins as He died upon that cross. That He then defeated death as He rose from the grave. And that He is now seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling from heaven above. But it takes more than just knowledge, doesn't it? To be in the, in the kingdom of heaven, you must also have repentant faith. Christ has to, has to impact you in such a deep and meaningful way that, that, that your desire is for Him above all else. This is what it means to be in close proximity to your Lord. That you are His disciple and He is your Master. Dear friends, do you have that type of bond with Jesus? Would, would Christ vouch for you as he is now vouching for John the Baptist. Listen, the, the, the closer you are to Jesus, the, the greater you become. And not because of any greatness that is within yourself, but because of the greatness of the one you call Master. Jesus is like that, that, that resume filled with the best institutions and the best personal references. He is the one who vouches for you before His Father. For it is His greatness that rubs off on you. Brothers, sisters, the only way into the kingdom of heaven is through Him. Which leads into our next verse. Look at, look at verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. If John was a herald, then Jesus is the king. And when the king arrives, it makes all other authorities irrelevant. This little detail is something that we as Christians in America tend to forget. Living in a nation where we get to vote and elect our leaders, we don't necessarily feel that, that, that tension between worldly authorities and the authority of Christ. We want to believe that we live in this, in this little bubble where the will of God and the, the will of man are somehow identical. But they're not. And I hate to break it to you, but even if everyone you vote for this fall gets elected, our nation will still be far from ideal. This is why the, the, the kingdom of heaven is so subversive, for it regulates kings and, and presidents to positions of secondary importance. A man like Herod knew this. I mean, why do you think John was in prison to begin with? Because John followed the will of of another king, a king who was far greater than Herod would ever be. So when Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it, what he is communicating is that as the kingdom grows, it will become more and more of a threat to these authorities that rule this world. And these, these rulers... Eventually, they will become violent and try to take the kingdom by force. 
This was a concept that, that John had yet to grasp. For he was expecting that swift justice coming from the Messiah. He was expecting the opposition to crumble before Jesus. But instead, he sat in Herod's prison as that forceful man tried to lay hold of the kingdom. But despite John's misunderstanding, Jesus has nothing but praise for this man. Look at, look at the end of our passage at verses 13 through 15. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus was putting his stamp of approval on the ministry of John the Baptist. He, he was that bookend of God's revelation prior to the king's arrival. He was the Elijah who was to come. What Christ meant by this can be understood by looking at the last two verses in the Old Testament. Look at, look at Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. If John the Baptist was the Elijah, the one who prepares the way for the Lord, for God himself, then Jesus is the manifestation of God, the one who will bring about that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Basically, what, what, what Christ is saying here is that is if you believe in John's message, then, then you must also believe in the one he preached about. You must also believe in Jesus. What did we see today? John was not a fickle man. He was not swayed by the, the winds of change, nor was he soft, unable to endure hardships for the kingdom. And we saw that he was the greatest of all the prophets because he had the privilege of heralding in the Messiah. But most importantly, we, we see that Christ vouched for this man. But you, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are in a more privileged position than even John. For you have a greater knowledge of who Jesus is. For, for you know that, that he, is, he, is a God, he is your God. The God who became a man in order to die for your sins and grant you entrance into his kingdom. And you have a greater understanding of his redemptive plan. That, that he is delaying his judgment so that many can repent and trust in him as his kingdom forcefully advances. And your greatness, it, it isn't determined by what you have done. Rather, it is determined by your proximity to Jesus. He is the one who vouches for you, even in times when your faith seems to be waning. And on that great and dreadful day of the Lord, you can stand secure. Because you know that Jesus has your back. But if you are not a believer, if your proximity to Jesus is far off, then you will have none 
who will vouch for you. None who have your back on that day of God's wrath. Your, your resume will be empty and will be tossed into the fire. Therefore, repent. Trust in Jesus so that you too can find welcome into his advancing kingdom. You too can have Christ vouch for you. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful that we have one who vouches for us. We would not be able to stand before you without your son, the one who stands next to us. He is both our king and our friend. We ask now that you would strengthen our faith by the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would keep us in close proximity to Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.